years. Got it. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. So fast. Oh my sorry. God. Sorry, you sorry, sorry. motherfucker. When I say, are you ready? And then you say, yes, I'm ready. And then I go and then you talk. It makes me think you're not ready, Maxwell. I'm ready now. You guys are ready Okay. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Tony Soto Show. My name is Tony Soto. Joining me is Maxwell Esposito. Hello, it's I'm here. You are dressed as a lady today, and I like it. I know. I just got done reading to some children on the internet. Uh, and the way the light hits the backdrop, it's very dramatic. If you look off into the light, like if you look that way, oh yeah, let me get a picture of that. Gorge. <laughs> <laughs> you look great. Tell what were you doing? I was doing drag queen story hour. Uh, was reading to the children. Well, I was reading to the children, which you know is it's it's a different. I'm, you know, we've said it countless times. Drag is different now because there's not the validation, like the audible validation that I'm used to hearing. Like, oh, Tony, I adore you. I'm such a fan. Um, that kind of stuff. Like Lady Gaga, I live for the applause. I understand. Yes, my, tink- my Tinkerbell realness. The way that the children scream for me. Sorry about that pause, but that pause was me lighting my joint because I waited until the last minute to do it. Um, so yeah, I just got done um, and, it, you know, I try to give them at least 48 full minutes of the hour, you know? And so by the time I was done, uh, it was time to record. So I was like, well, I'll just put on my boy clothes and I'll wash the face off afterwards. So... We're so our guest is so lucky that he gets such a treat. I'm sure people show up all the time and are very disappointed to see that you are not dressed. Well, as a woman. I know that I know that this is the face he prefers. So I, I knew that that was going to be it. How are you, Maxwell? I'm so good. I'm living my best life right now. I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do you have that yeah. unemployment coming through, or is she not yes. broke anymore? No, I've been having it, and since I had been waiting so long, it was beautiful. They retro pay you, so I would like had it stacked. They gave me all the money. Oh, so you have I to paid, pay your rent and everything. Yeah, I paid off a credit card. I deactivated my Facebook. Like things are really turning around. Ooh, she's off the. So wait, you deact like you canceled it? You ended it? Like 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 you're no, in the thirty days? No, I deactivated days- it because I love. I still have the messenger feature. I do have a few people that I actually like solely communicate with on that. I have a friend in Japan, and then my friend with special needs likes to communicate with me on my Facebook Messenger. So I don't want to completely detach myself from that for that reason. But gotcha. Yeah. So you're just on... so you're not off of Facebook. You're just deactivated from Facebook. Yeah, I saw somebody post like three really depressing statuses in a row. And I was like, I don't even know who this person is. And then the next post was some other girl I didn't know. And she posted a picture with 
And it said nine months inside, nine months out. And it was a picture of her pregnant with her baby at nine months and then the baby nine months old. And I was like, I don't need to be on this website anymore. Yeah, Facebook's a shithole. <laughs> like, this is not what I came here for. Yeah, Facebook's so, a shithole. And at this point, I think they're trying to still like make it not a shithole and try to make it cool. But ultimately, your grandma's still on it talking about uh, about races she doesn't like. You know what I mean? Yeah, so That's true. Yeah, Aunt Sandy calls him the orange moron. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, and that that's that was the ult that was the ultimate reason why I decided to get off of Facebook because I I was just tired of finding out who out of my loved ones were racist pieces of shit. Because honestly, there's a lot of them. <laughs> well, I'm not wasn't Facebook friends with a lot of people. I never really found it that. I also just stopped scrolling through it as of late, but like. I was just like, you know what? We don't even need to go there anymore. We don't even need to see what I was doing 10 years ago. You know, that's what I was just doing was checking my time hop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Isn't that exciting? Oh, yes. Better days. Trying to remember better days, girl. Um, yeah, it was just fun. It was always fun to see what like drunk 22 year old Maxwell was thinking. Like a lot of like Britney Spears lyrics were my Facebook statuses and Lady Gaga lyrics. Yeah, just not a lot of thinking going on. I'm sure there wasn't a lot of thinking, you know. If, no, if, if we're, if not we're a lot at all. If we're talking about the definition of thinking, I doubt that your early Facebook had any of that going on. <laughs> I mean, it was definitely full of thoughts, but not, uh, not like a... T-H-O-T-S, like, thoughts. Yeah, yes, yes, that it over there. Got it. Um, so um, where are you on the roller coaster? I'm a, I'm on a good spot. I mean, honestly, I'm on a good spot. I I finished. I made my first little web show thing. Yeah. So in lieu of millennial moment not being in production anymore, she feels like she is out of the limelight, uh, 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 bestowing her stupidity on the internet. So she is doing something that is not a Tony Soto show production. Which and is great because I, I would not put my name on it. <laughs> that's fine. I am very proud of it. I have honestly, I'm super proud of myself and I'm really excited. Even though like the option of re-recording it is like a thing, I am kind of excited to post it. In I don't necessarily, I did not say re-record. I said you should oh. take another stab at editing it. <laughs> that's what you should do. I Because see, here's the thing. Like I love Maxwell and I know this will be out as of now. And I know to, I'm releasing it Wednesday. So upon listening, which is today, Wednesday, uh, you can also go to wherever this is going to be. Um, IGTV. But, uh, but he sends me a, uh, a, uh, a message, a text message with it. Now, I preface this with, I love Maxwell just fine. But here's the thing. I will never not give a note. And I think, like, Maxwell knows that. So he is actually one of the few brave ones that will be like, and, and I don't want to speak for you, but you, my opinion means something to you. Regardless of how this is, my opinion means something to you. But, to some extent, yes. But I knew that like he knows that when he asks me for my opinion that it's going to be notes at the wall and it was probably the longest text i ever sent you <laughs> yeah i'm surprised you sent it like you know i can't read that much well i try to challenge you if you're going to challenge yourself with your with your editing and stuff i'm going to challenge you to read <laughs> yeah i appreciate it um but you know i mean it's it's cute it's cute i mean here's the Thank thing you. The, the the only thing with um with people editing themselves they find everything they say to be gold and that's just not necessarily always true that's it <laughs> oh that is not true i definitely knew that there was some duds in there oh. 
I I edited. I mean, I've never done this before. I've never like really written a story like that before. So that will definitely be something we are going to be learning along the way too. But I'm excited. I think like a lot to put it out because yeah, I think a lot of like the reason I haven't created stuff like that before is just like worrying what people care or think and now I'm just kind of like I don't care like this is episode one this is the first time I've ever done this and I'm going to take all the notes you gave me in episode two it's going to be even better yeah so it won't just, be perfect so just it's not going to be, not gonna be <laughs> winning Grammys no Emmys like no music videos of the year are going to be one with my new show but fingers crossed that episode two gets the Tony Soto show uh, stamp of approval. But uh, I don't, I don't but but he's it, not but he's not taking uh, my notes for episode one. I would like you all to know this. He is he is openly rejecting my notes for episode. No, I mean what is like it's this, it's going to be a series, Tony, not an episode. I'm not trying to make one perfect episode. I'm trying to make a series. So why dwell on fixing? stuff for one thing when there's more opportunities just to grow from that millennials ladies and gentlemen millennials <laughs> um well i support you and 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 don't worry guys millennial mama will be back uh, yeah i'm and, excited uh, to have two will, different things and i will make sure that there is a distinct difference between both programs so as not to infringe on any programming rights um, I, th- I think i did a good <laughs> job at making it different uh, I mean, I guess I guess we'll leave it up to popular opinion. You know, it's, it, it'll be the internet's today. Let them decide. Um, yeah, we'll see if people text me and go, "I love your new millennial moment." <laughs> <laughs> Take it off the internet. Um, so uh, Mother's Day happened uh, this uh, this weekend, and I know. You know, we all have certain relationships with our said mothers, mm-hmm. um, but I wanted to share mine because, you know, I have a very strained relationship with that country bumpkin I call mommy. Barb. Uh, uh, Barb. But uh, so my brother uh, uh, was like, hey, I'm having a cookout for mom the day before Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving or, or Mother's Day because Mother Day, Mother's Day is supposed to be shitty weather. Uh, and I was like, okay, FaceTime me for that. I I wasn't really listening that it was going to be the day before, actually. So when I got a FaceTime from my brother, it was directly after I'd finished reading Children. So I was in full geesh. N- and then, of course, it picks up and my, my brother's like, oh, hey, yeah, we're all having a cookout. Here's mom. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I just want to say that I was given a Mother's Day gift because my mother said that she was she was getting tired of Donald Trump. So if you remember in 2016, my mother voted for Donald Trump leading to a very, very public uh, Facebook fight, um, which then led me to not talking to mommy anymore <laughs> for a little while. I, rem- I remember that. Yeah. So, but, but now she's getting tired of Donald Trump. Now I don't know what that means, but uh, because the thing is, is because I was like, well, mom, you know, uh, don't vote for him. And she's like, yes, but I always voted Republican. I was like, that's not true. You voted for Obama. And she's like, yeah, but that was a mistake. So then I had to get off the phone. I was <sighs> like, then I was like, okay, okay, okay. Uh, I can't get two good things in a row. I can't get two good things. Uh, Happy Mother's Day. So good to talk to you. Got to go. Bye. Exactly. This um, eyelash glue is gluing my eyelid shut. Gotta go. Um, but that said, happy belated Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Did you text your mom or anything? 
Uh, no, I didn't. Okay, we'll move on. See, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to dwell on it, but you never know. You never know. I don't. I, I wish her a happy birthday, but I think Mother's Day is a day to celebrate your relationship with my mother, and I don't really know if that's something I feel like celebrating right now. <laughs> super, super fair. Uh, yeah. We, we have a guest, Maxwell. Oh, do you want to ask him about his mother? <laughs> yeah, I'm always interested to know about people's moms. Uh, we have a guest. Uh, now, this guest is I met this guest at Akbar, uh, which is a bar here in um, LA where I do learn the words, bitch. And honestly, when I first met him, I did not realize that he was as impressive as he actually is. Y'all, our guest is originally from Quebec. Uh, he lived in London. Now he's in Los Angeles. He started a fucking very expensive shoe line in 2008. Let's bring on Jerome Russo, everyone. Jerome. Hello, Tony. Hello, Maxwell. Hello. Hello. Hiya. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I can't so believe. Nice to see you not at Akbar. I, I also have only thank you. seen you at Akbar as well. Oh yeah. Well, that's. I, not don't, the, I don't live outside Akbar. I'm either at the desk or at Akbar. There's two places you can find me in the world. That's not Got the. Uh, that's not the only time I've seen him. But that is definitely the place that we met. Um. Uh, uh, did you Did you celebrate Mother's Day? Uh, uh. I'm always reluctant to ask about mothers because I never want to hear, um. Oh, I don't like my mom, or oh, my mom is dead, because I don't really know. <laughs> so, so what is which one is which one is yours, Jerome? Hmm. My mom is alive. Oh, uh, my God. mom and I have a good relationship. Oh, thank God. Oh, okay. She's in the north of Quebec where I grew up. So I called her yesterday, uh, two days ago, excuse me. Um, I was driving to the desert for one night. And I, uh, so it was a good time to call my mom, obviously, but also my sister and my brothers. Is your sister a mother? And my close friends who have babies to wish them all a happy Mother's Day since I was in the car for two and a half hours. Is your sister a mother as well? My sister is a mom. Yeah, she has two so, boys. So you're an uncle, Uncle Jerome. Yeah, I got four nephews. Four. And I only design women's shoes. Talk about like, <laughs> talk about bad luck. None of them want to wear heels yet. Uh, oh yes, uh, I mean, in the future. Yeah, let's give not, it some time. Yeah, let's Maybe, yes, let's, yes. let's not rush to judgment right away because you never know. <laughs> you never know. Um, uh, uh, well, we we like I said, we met in Akbar, and um, and uh, it was it was just like a. Two people meeting, like two bar patrons meeting, and you know we got to know each other, and it, it was actually through a period of time when I actually started realizing what you do because I remember you were like I I design shoes, and to me, it, the conversation wasn't about me, so I immediately <laughs> stopped listening. You know, I was like, oh, good, good, I like shoes too. You know, um, <laughs> but uh, you've also become uh, a huge supporter of Learn the Words, bitch. And um, actually, someone whose opinion I actually uh, I, I hold near and dear, believe it or not. Which hmm. thank you, thank you. I don't see myself as a supporter. I see myself as a super fan, and I feel very inspired by it. So it's not like I feel like when you support something, you put an effort into it and you help. All I do is like participate because I fucking love it. That's literally oh. all it comes down to. Well, see, you know, I never want to. I never want to come off not humble. You know, so I don't, oh yeah, yeah. I, I you, don't want to. You do that very well in general. I don't, yeah. I, I don't want to be like, oh, Jerome is a super fan. Um, uh, but, you know, it's fine. Well, listen, let's take a quick break because when we come back, we have a lot to dive in because literally this Canadian is very interesting. We'll be right back. 
Hey, everybody. Do you want more Tony Soto? I completely understand. If you want more of me, tune into the Gay Power Half Hour, available on iTunes, hosted by me, Tony Soto, and my good Judy, Casey Lai. It's 30 minutes of funny faggotry you won't want to miss. Check us out on iTunes, the Gay Power Half Hour. All right, we are back, and we have Jerome Russo on here on the show. Now, listen, in 2000, first of all, you're from Quebec originally. Correct. Um, and uh, when did you move to London? How old were you when you decided mm, to move to London? I think I was just turning 17 when I moved to the UK. Um, I got different sort of bursaries to study what was a, a lifelong dream already for me at that age, which was to study shoe design. I barely spoke English back then. But I, there I was moving to the UK to study at one of the best schools in, in shoe design. So shoe uh, design... Called Awareness College. Shoe design is what sent you to London. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I've lived my whole life following that path. Still today, really. You know, what's so great about you is like you are also... You have a really um, uh, wide taste in music. Like you mm. like all kinds of music. And and mm. it was music that got you into shoes, wasn't it? Yeah, it's I, I love that story. And uh you, you know when you're young you don't choose what you're passionate about. It just kind of hits you. And um when when I was a kid I was obsessed with MTV. For me it was probably a lot of escapism being able to sort of see the world through music and people that inspired me. And certainly in the north of Quebec I had a lot of friends, but I mean, I can't say it's a very inspiring place to grow up outside of the nature, you know, small towns. It was a bit close-minded, but suddenly, at 12 years old, there was on MTV this band called Delight and Lady Miss Care, you know, coupled with her, her partner at the time, DJ Dimitri from Ukraine, and their other bandmate was Towate, born in Korea, raised in Japan. So there was this trio that met in New York City, multicultural, and... Um, being 12 years old, I didn't know their references were encored and sort of 70s disco and um, 60s psychedelia. For me, the band invented all that. They were also kind of one of the first house music bands coming from house club culture, making it to the pop mainstream. So everything they presented visually and from a sound point of view was new to me. And it was a massive kick in the butt. I thought the band invented platform shoes, watching the, the first <laughs> video they made. Literally, I was obsessed with the shoes and how they danced in them. Boys and girls were dancing in platform shoes. I, that was it. I, just, I started sketching shoes after watching that video. So, clip. It was a, an instant kind of a cupid moment was the, the, the platform shoes that they wore. And the way Lady Miskia, specifically her, wore them, how she danced with them, just, just everything she stood for. I mean, I probably had never seen a drag queen before that time. She was very inspired by drag culture. And that was her community in New York as well. Still is her community in yeah. New York and in London where she lived for a while. Um, so, so all that, really, I probably connected to all that all at once in one instant. So, it was a beautiful revelation. So, um, obviously, growing up in a small town, being um, were, you, were you closeted? Uh, yeah, for a while. I didn't come out until I lived in London. And I came out in London when I was a student. So the beginning of my years in London, to friends. But to my family, it was sort of gradually to my sister first, my mom, then my brother and dad. Uh, but... Uh, I brought my boyfriend at the time to the north of Quebec and I told my, I think my parents a week before bringing my boyfriend home from England that, uh, that I was gay. 
Oh, okay. So, well, gosh, I would I, I would imagine that like coming to terms with your sexuality in London would be a very liberating and open place and fun for mm. a young looker like yourself. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you know, living in the UK at that time was really formative on every aspect of my life. The, I wouldn't be the designer I am today without London, for example. Um, I wouldn't be the person I am to be today with the interests I have today without that city. It really shaped what I've become. I also don't want to live there anymore. Uh, I'm really excited to be in LA. I when I go back to London, I don't see myself fitting in that lifestyle and environment anymore. But when I moved to LA 16 years ago, I couldn't imagine I'd live anywhere but London. I thought I'd be here a few months and, uh, and see how that treats me and go back to the UK and take my life where I had left it off. Um, so California has also been this, the second big changing element in my life. But in those years, London was amazing. Um, being gay in London, even back then, look, talk about 20 something years ago when I graduated and, um, and found my first jobs, being gay never came up. Like It didn't bother anyone in big corporate environments, whether you're gay or not. You didn't talk about it. There was literally quite little discrimination, like face-to-face -face discrimination for it. In the UK, but we also have to be mindful that, like you, um, you kind of went straight into a very queer, uh, accepting uh, line of work. Okay, so mm -hmm. so not being enough, not being surrounded by bigots uh, is a great thing, but that doesn't mean that mm -hmm. there weren't bigots there. Maxwell, did you have something you were going to ask? Um, I was going to ask about, um, like, bring it back to the fashion, but I will say that mm -hmm. I mean, the fashion world is not always like the most open-minded place. Carl Lagerfeld very racist and very mm -hmm. problematic and mm -hmm. the head of Chanel for a very long time. But mm -hmm. I was going to ask because, so going from London, which I think is a lot more of like a fashion forward place to LA, like where do you find your inspiration for your shoes? Because your shoes mm -hmm. are really beautiful and they, Thank I think, you. hold like a lot of very classic silhouettes and you add like a mm -hmm. lot of fun details to it. So like where do you find your like fashion inspiration besides music like do you have like somebody you look up to that's like a fashion designer or my inspiration never comes from fashion um I, I i hear you using the word fashion a few times already in the last minute maxwell um i'm not inspired by fashion i also don't consider myself a fashion person for even from a work point of view professionally um i think fashion and design are very different industries my work as a designer is very different than people who work in fashion per se I, I'm not going to dispute that my work is related to fashion. I work with editors, stylists, buyers, and, and these are really the core of the fashion industry, industry the industry part of it. But, um, but really what I'm driven to is my product. It's every millimeter on that heel or that stitch or that vamp or every part of the shoe, that buckle, the hardware. Um, that, that's what turns me on. It's the technicality behind footwear and footwear design that well, turns me on. I think that's I think that's an important point because all of your shoes could stand alone. But that's the thing. And that and that's what that's what I, I understand when mm -hmm. you say that you're not a fashion person, although like you mm -hmm. are super fashionable. Every time I see you, you always are very, very stylish. But like but to say that like your work isn't influenced by that actually means much more to me because I mm -hmm. think that the I, I'm not a fashion person. I don't give a fuck mm -hmm. about what you wear. I don't care mm -hmm. about models. But what I do care about is a beautiful shoe. And, mm -hmm. Same. and a beautiful shoe that can stand out from the fashion and actually draw my eye as opposed to what they're, what blouse they're wearing means mm -hmm. so much more. Now, you started your shoe line in 2008, so it wasn't mm -hmm. even that long ago, really. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's many seasons ago. If I think about it, um, well, yeah, it you was think a, about in it seasons. was a project of love. Uh, you know, I think it, it comes back full circle to to a little bit what Maxwell was asking me about London versus LA as well. Um, the UK has a bigger fashion industry. Certainly, 16 years ago when I came, there was a lot more interesting and creative jobs I could do in London in my field of passion than I could here in LA. One of the reasons I started my own business was I couldn't find jobs here that really motivated me. I couldn't find jobs where I designed a product I was yearning to design or I couldn't express myself through that. And that's in great part what kicked me in the butt to start my own brand, my own company. Well, as and well. see, that's, that's interesting because we were, we were FaceTiming the other night and um, you broke it down. You do four seasons, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. four, uh, collections four collections per year. Four per year. Yeah, yeah. So now thinking since 2008, that's a shit ton of shoes. It's a lot of shoes. And the, you, you, I mean, the first season you remember like it's, you remember like it's the, the one you did last for some reason. That one is ingrained in me where I was when I designed each of those shoes. I remember, I remember vividly the little um, thumbnail sketches for some of those shoes and I still have them, obviously. After that, it becomes a bit more of a blur. Like, oh, like, I, I remember that this collection inspired by Jody Watley. What collection was that? Oh, I'd have to go and look that up. But uh, but the f- between like the first two seasons, you remember like your first children almost, and then the rest becomes a, a bit more of a bigger blur somehow. So I want to talk about the one distinct thing that I love so much about your stiletto heels is the hook heel. The, the thorn. The, the thorn, yeah. Um, I like calling it the hook as well, but apparently with my accent... When I said the hook heel, I was telling Tony, my PR team used to say, you can't call it that. When they finally told me what it's why, it's because uh, with my, my ridiculous accent, they thought I was saying hooker heel, <laughs> which isn't quite the luxury brand I'm trying to create. So the thorn heel sounds a lot more poetic. Because the thing about um, it, it's such a simple modification and it's not something that I've not seen it on other shoes mm-hmm. besides your shoe. What was it that... Mm-hmm. that inspired you to to do that Mm. i'll be i'll be very truthful it kind of came a little bit accidentally i was on a plane to italy to develop a collection i had done my sort of sketches for that season uh, up to that point um i had a really good friend and colleague coming with me to to italy both of us on the plane have known each other for 20 years so just giggling i had my sketches out and i would just be putting another piece of paper on top of a sketch and just re-sketching over it for, for pleasure really and to see what else might come through in the 12-hour journey uh, to Italy. And uh, when you sketch a shoe, you start, I mean, you guys can see me on FaceTime, but you start with kind of, you do your sole, then you curl into the arch of the shoe, and then the heel goes down. And that curve is so beautiful when you sketch. I always enjoyed that moment somehow. And coming up with my pencil, I just sort of exaggerated that curve, and it came out uh, towards back towards the arch of the foot, and I just joined it back into the bottom of the heel. And there it was, and I thought, whoa, that's so beautiful occupying that sort of the, the the empty space between the heel and and the arch of the foot i've not really seen that before it seems so simple that i thought surely it's out there so i went with my sketches and made a little prototype with clay when i when we got to italy went to two different heel makers that i lo- love and work with and trust i mean they've worked in the shoe industry for 60 years in italy i thought if that heel was done before they would know it so i was asking them both if they'd seen that you know that design before and, uh, and both these old men, both of them, I remember, I mean, neither of them liked it, and, uh, which oh, surprised really? me. And, uh, but I really liked it, so we developed it. And um, the first prototype, I, I mean, Maxwell, I can show you. I think I showed Tony before, but this was the very first prototype of the Thornhill that we did 
and uh, I've modified it a little bit since, but uh, but it's quite a precious little thing for me. I, I'm glad you noticed that heel, Tony, because uh, it's shaped like a lot of the second half of my business, the sort of the, the exposure that we got from that heel on red carpet and you don't through the press. See, it became a signature piece. Yeah, you just don't see a lot of shoes uh, where they experiment with the heel like you, you don't mm -hmm. or if you do it's probably on the back of the heel like there's something on the yeah. back of the heel typically. oh it's a ridiculous statement but this is so subtle you subtle. see uh, the, you could do the simple the simplest sandal one strap over the toe a delicate ankle strap put it on the thorn heel on a red carpet it's immediately a jerome Rousseau shoe without needing a red sole or a logo it's it's so simple and subtle but there's there you know there's something a little bit aggressive about that silhouette as well it does yeah. like it does kind of almost, although it doesn't, but it gives the impression that it changes the posture. And it's quite beautiful to see that on the foot and let's, on the leg. Let's talk about a Jerome Russo shoe and what that mm. means. Because you came, uh, you started it in 2008. And you were like a nobody, right? Like, were you, um, mm. like, you just come uh, fresh from... Uh, Were you going to say fresh off the boat, Tony? I could see it coming. I could see it coming out of your mouth. I mean, you came. You came to the U.S. fresh. You, you moved to Los Angeles, like Maxwell said. Not even really a fashion-forward town. Um, but since then, Charlize Theron has worn your shoes. Uh, Cameron Diaz has worn your shoes. Scarlett Johansson. Like, what? What was it like to see? your brand grow into something hmm. it's the most uh, extraordinary journey i've been on the most rewarding um, definitely the most challenging as well um, i feel really fulfilled creatively by the work i do um, i feel really touched that my work has inspired others um, i feel really touched that um uh, that you said it a little bit earlier, the shoes kind of speak for themselves. It's really special as a designer when you walk in, in a large department store, a luxury department store in Japan, and you get all these massive brands, and suddenly there's that Jerome Russo section, and, and you get these 16 Jerome Russo shoes, and customers have a choice, but, but you're there watching. They don't know who I am like at Isetan in Japan, and you watch customers picking your shoe and trying them in their size. That's Those are really touching moments. Um I forgot where the question was, but uh, but no, it's been what, a what, what was it like to because like obviously mm -hmm. you had to have seen um, starting from your first collection mm -hmm. you like an interest. What was it like to see mm -hmm. people take mm -hmm. an interest in what you were creating? Mm -hmm. You know, people have different factors on how they judge success or their own personal success or the success of others. I don't think I judge my own success the way you see it. For example, people will return a lot to the kind of press exposure you get or who wears your shoe, that's for, for the general public, that's, you know, a, a factor on whether your brand is doing great or not. Um, it's a massive honor to see, you mentioned Charlie, Scarlett Johansson, um, some of the people that made me the happiest were, uh, maybe January Jones and Rose McGowan. They, these are people that I really love in real life and I love on screen and I love their work. When, when someone you really admire through their work wears your product, that's a that's a massive honor and that's beautiful that's maybe more where i see the success of it charlie's the same charlie's was the first to wear my shoes on the red carpet what an honor i've loved charlie's since since i can remember that she's around uh, she's probably extraordinarily more beautiful year after year than she was when she started how is this possible i feel so privileged to have had these people in my shoes um but where where can we get your shoes 
Uh, we work with uh, we work with department stores here in the US, uh, some independent boutiques here in the US as well, uh, and internationally also. So some stores in Canada, uh, UK, Germany, France, Spain, Italy, uh, Japan, Korea, Australia, those uh, Middle Eastern countries as well. Uh, the best way is to look on our website uh, and maybe send an email with your location, and we'll tell you where or which online retailers ship to you. So there's a little bit of a connection, Maxwell, between uh, you and Jerome Russo Shoes, uh, because Maxwell used to work for Saks, and oh, really? you, mm. in, in uh, 2012, you created um, a, a shoe that was inspired by Miss Fucking Piggy, right? I did. Yes, I did. Uh, this is this is a great highlight as well. When I uh, when I was still a fairly young brand, I think maybe in two thousand eleven, um, I was in New York City showing a collection back then. I was green with like illness and jet lag. I couldn't even think of surviving. Then I get this email from a lovely woman called Stephanie. Uh, I won't name her last name here, and uh, telling me that uh, she's she's from this uh, department at Disney, and they're doing you know uh, it was a a, a Tron sequel. Uh, and uh, would I like to do an official shoe for the new Tron? I was showing a collection inspired by Tron, and I was speaking to the press about that. So I think she heard word of that. And um, and I thought, this is like totally friends pulling my leg and sending me a junk email to see my reaction and what I'd reply. So there I was Googling that woman between appointments thinking, I think this is real. I was so excited. So that was my first collaboration with Disney at the time. Uh, and the success of that was amazing. Imagine you're Disney, you're doing a film like Tron, and it's kind of, you know, it's fairly gimmicky future, you know. So there's the link to trying to market that film to fashion press is difficult. But if you have a really fuck-off, amazing shoe that sums up what the film's about and what Tron is about, and you're able to go and pitch that to Vogue and Elle and Vogue Italia and all over the world. I mean, when Disney's PR team got behind the shoe, I think we had 180 publications around the world within a month published that picture in a brief interview with yours truly myself it was exhausting to do it was like a probably like a, a musician releasing a new album and you have to talk to journalists in the space of a week probably at every hour of the day i'm assuming it was like that you don't usually do this in my industry but with disney behind me i had to do that and and suddenly disney were able to get the film tron talked about in all kinds of publications that the film usually wouldn't reach which was brilliant it also had olivia wilde in it who also partly inspired the shoot her character cora and um, and I think maybe having that that sort of that element was a good factor for fashion publications to pay attention as well. Uh, but anyway, it was a great start. And then came the Muppets. Disney were then working on the Muppets. And hey, Tron went well. Do you want to do a shoe for the Muppets release? Uh huh. I'll tell you the truth. Like I, I don't give a shit about Tron. So, but what I what what <laughs> what I do like is I like how uh, like let's say sometimes actors have to do a crappy movie to get a really good one. And so you did Tron, which was great. I'm uh, great for the success. But then you got to fucking create a shoe for Miss Piggy, and that yeah, that was extraordinary. Did you get to put it on her? So I was supposed to be in New York City and do a shoot with Miss Piggy and the shoe and me, which was. Brilliant, but I literally was coming back from Asia, uh, no, coming back from Europe, and I had to be in Asia three days later. I was in Los Angeles for meetings for that as well, um, and uh, I just couldn't go to New York overnight to do that photo in the morning and come back. I just, 
it would have killed me physically. So I simply had to, uh, so, to, so, to miss so, that opportunity. But so just, there's just, Miss Piggy with my shoe without me. I, I, yeah, just know that if you, uh, if you Google this and you see Miss Piggy staring lovingly at the shoe, Jerome was scheduled to be there, but he could not make Did it. Did they send you the dimensions of her foot? Oh, I'm not actually allowed to talk about those details, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> wait, how, wait, I'm interested. How big uh, do you I make I love your, the question. How That's big right. do you make your shoes, though? Uh, from size 35 to 41, uh, which would be more or less US 5 to 11. Maxwell, uh, you, could fit, you could fit your hoof in one of his shoes. I think Maxwell could. Yeah. Tony, I've seen your feet. At I could not. Oh, no, 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 and, uh, no. I could I not. Have the I have the littlest feet. I could wear um, like a women seven. So if ever you need Are like you some. Are you serious? Oh, you can fit in. Yeah. If ever you, if ever you, you want to see somewhat heels, like, like uh, yeah. hairy knuckle toes, uh, toe knuckles or whatever sticking out of your beautiful shoes. Let's bring, yes, Diva, let's, let's bring, let's bring Maxwell in on it. Okay. Well, listen. Um, so um, obviously uh, department stores are closed. Mm-hmm. Um, and closing and mm-hmm. and yes and filing bankruptcy uh mm-hmm. uh, uh in the uh, while this uh pandemic is happening so you're taking a hit obviously um mm-hmm. uh because i mean also no red carpets you know there's there's mm-hmm. n- like how are you dealing no. with this how are you dealing with this with mm-hmm. with you know it's it's a constantly challenging industry. There hasn't been an easy year in business since I started. Um, I started at the beginning of the, the previous economic crisis, uh, 2008, 2009, 2010, were really difficult years. I was a small brand growing, so it affected me a little less in some ways. This comes very suddenly. Uh, there weren't a lot of signs that this was happening until it was happening, basically. Um, so there was a less time to prepare for this. And also when you have a business that's rolling, uh, the impact of something like this financially is much harder. Um, how is this affecting me? Retail, retailers are my partners. When retail is doing poorly, my business suffers as well. Um, and uh, being retailers is really hard. That's also a, an industry that's changing constantly. Um, I don't have my own retail doors. Uh, we have our own retail store online uh, when I get enough stocks for it. Um, um, but having a, a sort of a full-time retail operation in this climate is really hard. As I said, retailers are my partners. I try to partner the best I can with them, try to surf some of this storm with them. Uh, it's a shame because retailers received new production in late February for the spring season, for example, Retailers have a lot of stock on their hands and they are closed and there's no customers. Merchandise in our industry, as, as, we, as we've discussed, four seasons a year, merchandise is at full price at retail for about two months before it goes, you know, nine weeks before it goes on sale. And then you ship the new collection that replenishes your full price merchandise. Um, Maxwell, you worked at Saks, you know all about that. And, I've uh, worked in retail for a nauseatingly amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you understand how all that functions. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a really difficult time because that product is sitting in warehouses or at the back of stores at the moment. Well, not a lot of them don't even have warehouses in. anymore. They just keep it in their stores because it's cheaper right. to yep, keep yep. the product in store. And yep. now they can't even get to it to send to yep. clients that are ordering online. Yeah, I mean, there's a few businesses that are doing okay with online 
the sales are still very much impacted. It's not just that people are at home. Well, no one's trying home. to buy a uh, high-end price shoe either right now in this economy. So I'm sure like the pricing of, uh, you know. There, there's different markets. Look, let's be, we can be really upfront here. There's people that are very wealthy and they will still be very wealthy at the end of this. And they're a big part of the luxury customer. Footwear specifically, we have a very special niche of clients. They're usually the most inspiring customers in many ways. Because they fucking love what they buy and they s save their money for it. Sex in the city. People in LA love shoes. They LA do. is a great place for mm. shoes. You could say, like, before Sex in the City, the amount of customers that would be buying luxury shoes or at that price point that weren't a typical luxury customer wasn't a huge percentage. Sex in the city has really brought luxury footwear to the wardrobe of just about every girl. And it's become quite normal for girls. Girlfriends of mine, no, no, my girlfriends buy it at a special friendly price, lucky girls. But you see what I'm saying? Like, people in our general entourage will still be going and buying a Gucci and a Prada shoe or hopefully a Jerome Rousseau shoe. Um, and, uh, and that customer is missing right now. That girl is not spending her money on yeah. $800 sandals, nor should she. And I might be a designer uh, of a brand of that sort, but I, you know, I, I understand people's priorities. I'm a small business and I know exactly how that rolls. It's a, it's a very difficult strange moment i don't exactly know the future of retail right now we already didn't know the future of retail last year um we're going to reinvent it um in a year hopefully we'll be in a place where people have confidence again and are working again and have a rolling cash flow again and they'll be willing to find beautiful product again um so how do you make it between now and, and in a year from now and keep your customer engaged. These are the challenges we're looking at right now. Do I talk too much? Am I doing well, guys? On this, I mean, you've talked. You talk more you? than most any guest, but I could listen to you talk all day. But we're we're done talking to you now. We're taking a break, uh, right? Because I don't even know how long this segment was. Probably an hour. Uh, I talk too much. You should have told me off. Damn it! Edit me out. No, never, never. No, here's here's the thing. It's edit like, me it's, out. It's like me too. When when <laughs> I when I when I when I think about um when when i talk to you you can see the passion in anything that you, like when i talk to you about music if i talk to you about celebrity if i talk to you about your fucking shoes like it's always you are fun to talk to because you see so many dead-eyed fuckers who don't like what they do and uh that's boring to me and when i see you you seem like someone who doesn't bother yourself with shit that you don't want in your sphere and i'm just honored that you let me into the sphere <laughs> to be honest i'm surprised i did as well i, I mean, know look at you tony soto i mean you have, a, you have a, he has a size 400 foot i mean if you were truly a designer you could design a 15 for me you know what i mean uh and get that done if you were truly um anyway um, paris hilton gets all her shoes custom made she's a size 14 see that cow's got shoes uh all right we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have our listener questions of the week. We'll be right back. Tony Soto Show. All right. We are back with the show. Listeners, we do these questions, concerns, or comments every week. Why? Because we are interested in what you have to say. So... If you would like to leave a question, a concern, or a comment uh, about the Tony Soto Show or Maxwell's performances, um, then please go to the TonySotoShow.com 
And uh, the message box is right at the beginning. So just leave us a message and send it our way because we'd love to hear and from you. And fill them with compliments about me. Yeah, Maxwell needs a compliment. So, uh, Jerome, you're going to kick us off with our first question, right? Yep. I'm ready. The first question is from Corey. We don't know where he's from. Corey says, I'm loving pre-apocalyptic Tony Soto. Do you all remember talking about the zombie apocalypse years ago? I remember thinking back then that you all would die. But honestly, I'm not isolating alone and I feel not more often than I don't. Tony is a survivor and we are lucky to have him. This isn't a question really. More of a statement. Tony Soto makes the best content, whether there's a pandemic or not. Corey, your answer is, this is a Tony <laughs> Soto show. If you want to speak to Tony like that, go on Grindr. <laughs> Done. I would like to say thank you, Corey, for your smart, intelligent words about me. I don't remember talking about a zombie apocalypse, but did you all say I was going to die, Maxwell? I don't even know what zombie apocalypse he's talking about. I'm so well, we confused. didn't have one. It's not like we had one, Maxwell. <laughs> I know, but I don't even remember having a conversation about it. Me either. I don't remember. Maybe this was pre-you. Well, you smoke a lot of weed, so, but this could be pre-me. I remember everything. Yeah, so. this might have been pre-you. I mean, I don't remember having a conversation about a zombie apocalypse, but I would be offended if you would all think that I wouldn't survive. I'm making it. Uh, uh, We've definitely talked about you not surviving and the <laughs> likelihood of you not being a survivor many times on this show but zombie apocalypse i am uncertain or i do not remember wait a minute wait a minute i want to see what he says this isn't a quite more of a statement tony so oh wait no that's not what i wanted to read um tony is a survivor that's that's what it is Tony Soto is a survivor, and we're lucky to have him. Jerome, well, Corey's not on the show talking about it, and we talk about you not surviving on this show. <laughs> Jerome, you're isolating alone. How are, are mm. you surviving? Wanking. <laughs> oh. uh, you know i you know see the thing is is like I, I yes of course masturbation is definitely a way to like take up a good 15 minutes right um however i have been trying to use my imagination more now with masturbation so it does take longer because i'll tell you years of internet and shitty tv has made it really hard to uh imagine things <laughs> are you <laughs> You know, I mean, it's people, I mean, human contact is real. I mean, today I saw two straight guys standing real close talking to each other, and I just wanted them to make out. I just wanted to stand there and watch them make out. Just miss looking at people. That is not a way to flatten the curve, Maxwell. That kind of that kind of rhetoric is not a way to Well, flatten. I'm not going to be making out. I'm just going to be watching with my mask six feet away. <laughs> so it'll be fine. I'll use hand sanitizer afterwards. Wait, and wait, and so wait. Are we? This is now pre-apocalyptic. Is that what we're in right now? Before the apocalypse? Yeah, I was a little confused. Are, is this an apocalypse or a pandemic? Well, okay, those are two separate things. Absolutely, one hundred percent. I know. I've read. I know how to read. Okay, so you do know that an apocalypse has nothing to do with a pandemic, right? Or correct. That's why I'm saying. I'm like, are why is he saying pre-apocalypse? I would imagine because apocalypse. I would imagine because the world is ending, which is what an apocalypse is the the ending of the world. <laughs> oh God, I can't keep up with these kids these days. 
Oh, see, Jerome, this is this is where this show is never going to win awards. You know what I mean? Because we why? Have... Because I get confused by simple <laughs> words. It has nothing to do with your derailment ever. I think you guys are a good pair together. It's quite it's quite good to hear you argue about stuff like that. Oh, yeah, we're, thank we're you. We're definitely not going to win awards together. Tony. People don't it's seem to people don't seem to think people seem to think that we don't like each other. <laughs> That's just not the case. Because, yeah, because, I miss fighting with you in person. And, and see, like Jerome, you come to learn the words, bitch. So uh, you you've got to you've got to see me yell at Maxwell now on two separate platforms. So wow, lucky you, you are a Maxwell, lucky Maxwell. Sometimes I think at learn the words, bitch, he gets a bit intimidated about insulting you in public, and then he turns it on me. It no, many first times of all, Tony turned it on me, insulted me in front of a crowd. I couldn't believe it. Oh wait, you I think that it. you think that I'm reluctant about insulting Maxwell in public? Yeah, okay. I think you should respect Maxwell a lot more. I'm going to tell you how. I agree. I'm going to tell you how untrue that statement was, and now I'm going to tell you how untrue your statement was about me yelling at you all the time. It's because you are a chatty bitch. Okay, you get drunk and chat. That's yeah, what you, I you 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 get as. a little turned up and you get a little loud, and sometimes it's before my show is over. So sometimes I have to be like, Jerome, do you want to shut up? And Sounds you, like me. Yeah, I was going to say, and you know you're upsetting Tony, because usually what you're yelling is, Tony Soto, I love you. And he's still <laughs> like, shut up. So you obviously are doing something wrong. You really do. Because... You, you, you heckle me in the most loving way. <laughs> you really do heckle me with compliments. And quite frankly, I should be more respectful to you. Um, all right. Well, Corey, thanks for that. Yeah, Corey. Thank you, Corey. Corey, I want to, I feel seen and I feel heard right now. Thank you, Corey. Thank you. Um, we need more questions like that from people who like Tony Soto. Is that my... wasn't a question. He even <sighs> said it wasn't. Oh, no. I just deleted the fucking email and it's my turn. Hold on. I got to go to the trash. Hold on. I got to go to the trash. Oh, and shit. you said I wasn't going to help the show win awards. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is from Anonymous. <laughs> it says, I broke up with my boyfriend three weeks into the pandemic because it took being at home with him constant or constantly to realize what a fucking loser he was. Oh, no. <laughs> we dated for less than a year before moving in and almost reached two years before kicking his ass out. My issue is he moved in with my best girlfriend and her boyfriend. And to add insult to injury, I found out on Facebook when my best girlfriend posted a sympathy pic and aired our dirty laundry. Now, no one is answering my calls or texts. I'm fuming, and now I'm alone and feeling crazy. Where is Rachel when I need her? I need a man-hater. Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, hmm. <laughs> so much to unpack here. Yeah, like, wait, what's the, what is the question? Um, I, I would imagine the question has something to do. I, I, I think he was so rage infused that they couldn't really, I, I, I'm wondering if it's about the, the, the best friend and, uh, and living with the guy. Like, I think are, they just need I mean, someone to bitch about their ex. I think that's what they want from you guys. Well, this is, well, well this, this is an interesting question. Like, let's say that, uh, like, uh, if I was in a relationship with someone who turned out to be an asshole, I would like to know that my best friend, my best girlfriend, would be a ride or die in that situation. So, true. 
To me, this is like, I understand where Anonymous is angry because A, he's now alone, which, yeah, that fucking sucks. And B, like, your, your bestie sucks. Yeah, now you have no boyfriend and no bestie. Double breakup. Because, yeah. I mean, Jerome, okay, now you're, you're very big into friendships and, and your chosen community. Like, how much, like, how would you feel if you invested time into making someone a best friend and this happened? Mm, I don't know. Um, I don't think it would happen to me for some reason. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I literally don't know how to answer this. You don't. You don't think it would? Oh, I love that. That's some confidence, though. I, I mean, I look. genuinely don't think my friends or an ex with the, that person I'm with would never do that. Or I would never be with someone that I feel like that about. And then my friends would just never do that to me. I don't know. We'd never come to that. I, I don't know. I, I can't relate. I would it's like a strange to think. Thing to say, but. I would like to think that. Um, I don't think that I would have to deal with this either. However, I we get we get questions and and uh, letters from people all the time talking about best friends turning into shitty people. Maxwell, what do you I'm, think about this? Well, I have some questions on what the relationship with the best friend and the ex are because. I mean, maybe if they were friends, but I mean, the fact that she aired their dirty laundry is really lame. And maybe you should address that with this person. Well, and this also like, gets say, into the... Like, I would say something to her. Be like, hey, like, I'm, you know, I don't know, like, what her stance is with this ex-boyfriend. But be like, hey, like, it's really lame that you're like, you know, I understand that you and so-and-so have ex-relationship and, like, you're going to do whatever. But, like, could you really keep, like, my name out of your social media? Like, can you not talk about this online? Yeah. This is, I don't want to put this on social media. And now you're putting it on social media, and that's lame. I mean, that, disrespectful. That is a good question, Anonymous, to let us know. Like, like, is this, does that, uh, does your ex have some sort of a relationship with your girlfriend? Because not mentioning it makes me think no. I feel like if that, I feel like if, if, yeah, this is this is weird. I I I'm a firm believer in loyalty and I say this on a regular basis. Like I intentionally do not get uh close with uh my close friends significant others unless I guess they're married or something because quite frankly, uh if I invested the time into being uh your friend and your boyfriend makes you mad, I don't care about your fucking boyfriend, okay? And I will let yeah. you know I'm the friend to, to go. And, and that's the thing about if you're going to call someone your best girlfriend, you would think that's the person who you would go to to like bitch about mm -hmm. things. And this is it's just traitorous. You know, it's not right. But good riddance yeah. both ways. No? Good riddance. Yeah. At this point, yeah. like, look, exactly the conclusion, like at, at this point, like, look, you're now isolating alone and none of your friends like you. Let's work on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you know let's work on yourself let's better ourselves maxwell okay i have the last one and it's a doozy this is i think also a follow-up though yeah well this, this is a, this is a, this is a good this is a friend of the show who has written in i believe this is the third or fourth time so we yeah, like I, scott from taiwan we, <laughs> yes we love scott from taiwan so scott from taiwan writes I asked last year if my boyfriend really loved me or if he just wanted a Canadian passport. Update, we got married and we are still in Taiwan. And Taiwan has done 
amazingly with COVID-19. Under 500 cases and a population of 23 million. Wow, must be nice. Um, recently, in The Real Housewives, Kelly Dobb has caught shit saying this virus is thinning the herd. It's a little brutal to say, but I kind of agree. Of course, I don't want anyone loved ones to die. But there are too many damn people on this earth. Thoughts? <laughs> well, you have you not checked in in a while? Scott Tony mentions, I think, every episode that he is happy to thin the plant, like Team Earth. Matt, uh, Jerome, Jerome, are you are you a lover of the human race? <laughs> I mean, I like to think that if Scott agrees that uh, this is supposed to be there to thin the herd, and if Tony agrees with that so well as well, I think you both should be part of the thin the herd here. <laughs> hey, look, I always say I volunteer as tribute to go in a natural disaster, okay? But it needs to take out thousands of people with me because I'm not just going to be one of like a hundred, all right? It's very important. This, this is your chance then, Tony. Go for it. No, because see, this is the thing about an avoidable virus, you know? I can course, also avoid a virus. So I'm not volunteering as tribute because I'm not some mouth-breathing hillbilly from fucking Alabama, all right? And quite Please frankly, don't go, Tony. quite frankly, if you're a mouth breathing hillbilly from Alabama, I am fine with a blue vote taking over your red one when you pass away. Um, uh, this is why I will never be famous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, uh, let's let's thin the herd, but like, remember, be responsible. Not everybody thinks look, that way. Here's the like, thing. No, no. Here's the thing. If you survive this, you're not a dumb, okay? And you deserve to live. There you go. That's all I'm saying. And this is this is post everyone like us now knowing. Because granted, I know that Trump dragged his feet for a long time and people were just out and about living their fucking everydays. I get that. Don't don't that's not lost on me. I'm talking about the fucking people who are out protesting, screaming in nurses' faces. Those fuckers are okay to pass away. Uh Jerome, yes. I hope that you never pass away. You are Thank one you. of my favorite human beings, and I would truly be sad if you did. Do you want to tell Thank people you. where they can find you on social media or where they can buy your shoes or anything? Yeah, the label is called Jerome C. Russo, and uh, it's Jerome C. Russo and everything. Easy enough. Easy enough. And the shoes are fucking spectacular. And if you can fucking afford them, buy them. And spell Russo in French, obviously. O-U-S-S-E-A-U. The never-ending spelling. So fancy. They're gorgeous shoes. Thank you, Maxwell. Thank you. I'll make sure you got some now in, in your <laughs> size as well. Seems easy enough. Oh my gosh, there were some of those. If those heels were just an inch shorter, bitch, I would own them. <laughs> oh, they come in, there's heels in every size. In she walks like a we'll man. We'll make something work for you. Uh, oh, Maxwell. I love a little uh, espadrille. Maxwell, um, okay. tell Go people ahead. where they can find you. Um, you can see me on my new web series, Maxwell Loves the Internet, on my Instagram TV. Um, which debuts today. So go there. I'm at Maxwell Esposito. And if you love it, um, you could send me some money so I could get better at it. I'm at Maxwell Esposito on Venmo. We'll see if money can help. Uh, guys. Hey, you you bank on that. So I do the Gay Power Half Hour every week with my good Judy Casey Lye. So tune into that, uh, please. And thank you. Uh, if you enjoy the Tony Soto show, please go to uh, our iTunes page and like it, subscribe to it. Um, let's see what else. I'm the Tony Soto show on everything, uh, excluding Facebook. And do I have any gigs? 
I don't. I don't. That's a shame. But more to come in the future. Until next week, everybody. Goodbye. Bye.